Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. And just go ahead and high five 17 people as you do so. <laughs> awesome. Well, so good to have you in church, everybody, and a great honor to be preaching, and I'm preaching a message tonight called DIY, do it yourself. However, I want to preach on the fact that there are some things in life that you cannot do yourself, most importantly being making things right with God, connecting with God, you cannot do it yourself. And uh, the irony of this is that I am the worst DIY person ever. By the grace of God, my wife Bianca, so when I married her, her father is the, uh, one of the managers at Bunnings running the store. So I married into a family who have incredible DIY skills. Um, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And if there's one thing that Bionicles taught me is that the instruction manual is very important. Any Bionicles people in the house? Whenever I do like early 2000s references, no one gets it. I feel like I was born at a time no one else was born in. But me and Pastor Izzy, okay, I'm going to preach over here. Um, so good. But hey, let's pray. We're just going to invite God to speak to us. And even though I'm sharing tonight, we're really going to believe that when we open the Word of God, that God will speak to your heart. And so we're going to pray for open hearts. We're going to pray for soft hearts. We're going to believe for God to speak to you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time, for this opportunity to be together and to hear from you. And God, that is exactly what we're asking for right now. We're asking God that you would speak to us, that by your Spirit, God, you'd speak to our hearts and our minds. And Lord, help us connect with you in a greater way. And Father, live the life that you have called us to live in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in the 11th row said, Amen. 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 Well, I don't know if there's any Ikea fans in the house. There you go. Ikea is a bit challenging for me. I find it very difficult to put together any sort of flat pack and uh, I have to look at the instructions very carefully and try and read everything to make sure that I get it done well. Even if I put maximum effort, maximum focus into something of this nature, I usually struggle. Um, however, my wife is really good at this stuff. Bianca's great at this. And when we were getting ready to get married, we, uh, we leased an apartment and my mum came over to help us unbox some flat packs and try and put some IKEA furniture together. I'm mad into instructions because I know that I suck at this. And Bianca was pretty confident with certain things that she didn't need the instructions. Have we got any instruction people in the house tonight? Any people who don't need the instructions? You just need, yeah, you just need a picture of the finished product and you're good to go. I, um, Bianca and my wife and I have a one-year-old son and uh, someone very generously bought for him like a, a hundred-piece Duplo set. And uh, I was looking at the pictures of the animals on the outside and the different scenes that you could construct. And I was getting pretty hyped. I was, I'm looking forward to making that waterfall and, and putting the little panda on the top. Um, and so I left Micah with the instructions. So he's just one years old. And I encouraged him. I said, hey, mate, I'd really encourage you. If you're anything like me, you're going to need the instructions. He said, look, Dad. I'm good. And I said, okay. I came back 
and he built a tower with the panda's head as the foundation and he had the giraffe on wheels uh, with, a, with a frog's head. And so I was like, th- I was thinking to myself, he, he's gone astray here. He needs to come back to the instructions because sometimes when you don't know what you're doing, you might have the necessary things around you, but if you don't follow the right instructions, you'll end up with a panda as the foundation to a factory. You might be here tonight, you might be someone who's surrounded with the right information, the right people, the right access to godly ways, but if you don't know what you're doing because you're trying to do it yourself, you'll end up with something in life that's very unsturdy and will leave you feeling unbalanced in everything that you do. It doesn't matter whether you're around good wisdom if you don't ask people for some wisdom. It doesn't matter if you have access to the Word of God if you're not open to actually hearing from God through it. Uh, something, something I say pretty much every time I get up on stage, people are probably sick of it, but often you'll hear people say that Christians, people who believe in Jesus, think they're better than everybody else. Um, when Christianity is actually built on the understanding that I am lost and broken and in need of help. When you meet a true Christian, someone who loves Jesus and is, is doing their best to live out the, the ways that He's asked us to live out, you'll, you'll find within them an acceptance that I can't do this myself. I'm not going through life trying to do a DIY. I've accepted the fact that my way is leaving me broken, lost and empty. The Christian way is not the DIY way. It's the, it's the God's way way. It's the acceptance that the DIY way in life is not going to work. Someone in the Bible who tried this, tried the DIY lifestyle despite getting wisdom to the contrary was the prodigal son. Very famous story in the Bible. We're gonna read it together and just unpack some thoughts from it. But it's gonna come up on the screen in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And everybody, this is the story of the prodigal son. This is Jesus telling it. It says, Jesus continued. He's spoken about a lost coin and now we're looking at the lost son in this passage. It says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says this great line. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. When he came to his senses, he had a realisation that he needed to go back to the father, his father. He needed to go back to relying on his father. 
He tried doing it his own way. He wanted his share of the estate right then rather than waiting for the right time. And then he went into the city, it says, and he did everything his way, squandered his wealth on all the things that people squander wealth on. It's funny how when he had no money and the famine kicked in, the first thing he didn't do was go back to his dad. He again tried his way and thought, I can still try myself to get out of this issue that I've landed myself in. So he started working in a pig pen. So he tried his own way, it didn't work. And rather than going back to the father, he tried his own way again. And now he's in a pig pen, gets a job as a pig farmer. You know, why did that son not go back to his dad immediately after hitting famine and hitting poverty? Well, I think it's the same reason that we don't go back to God or go back to people that offer us help, and it's because of pride. This, this son wanted to prove that he could do it his own way. And when that didn't work, he wanted to prove that he could figure it out on his own. I can make money feeding pigs and I'll get back to where I wanted to be. Many of us want to try and prove that what we know about life is the right way. Many of us try to prove that what we know about the things of God and what we're supposed to do with our life is the right way. A lot of us think that at 17. I remember being a hot-headed 17-year-old, having uh, you know, strong opinions about how life worked. I'm now 28 going, I don't know anything. But listen, what's interesting about the son is that he could only try doing it his, first, his way first because of what the father gave him. He could, he could only even have a crack at trying out what he wanted to do out there because the father gave him the funds to do it. We can only have a crack at our own way because of what God's given us. God's given us life and then God, God gives us free will. The fact that we can even have a crack at trying out our own stuff is because of what God gave us in the first place. Like a DIY job, you do need help. You do need instructions. But many of us, and maybe you're here tonight and you're you're a person that within your heart is saying, no, I got this. Give me a little bit more time. I'll figure this out on my own. Give me a little bit more time, a little bit more of this. The way that I think is right will come good. Our DIY lives often look like us trying to prove we're right whilst hanging out in a pig pen. Our life looks like a pig pen and we're trying to tell people that I know better. And you're saying that the way that I know is right is working for me. And meanwhile, in the background, you hear, and you're like, shh, shh. You might be living your life at the moment and you feel like you're in a pig pen. You're like, man, this stinks. I'm doing stuff I don't want to do. I feel like I can't get out. I've got no motivation, I've got no drive. There's no purpose in my heart. I'm feeling forgotten. Look, you might have through trying it your own way, landed in a pig pen. And I would encourage you, you don't have to stay there. But in order to get out of there, you just have to also get out of your heart, your pride, and say, you know what? Where my choices have landed me in life is a place that I don't wanna be. And I wanna now surrender my choices to God and say, I'm sick of trying it my own way. I wanna try it your way. Someone needs to hear this tonight. Get out of the pig pen and get back to God. You've tried it your own way and now you're feeding pigs. Miserable. Life sucking. Don't be that person in the pig pen going, just a bit more time of me trying it my way. I'll eventually get there. Don't do it. 
Sometimes many of our friends and family can hear the snorts before we do. So we've got to listen. We, we can spend a lot of time in those circumstances, everybody, not asking for help, not asking questions, and not even allowing the circumstance to humble us because of pride, because of pride. I don't know your age or your story, but here is what is true for everybody in this room. Your way is not the way. God's way is. I'm saying this to myself. My way is not the way. As a Christian, as someone who believes in Jesus, has a personal relationship with God, I have accepted that my way is not the right way. I need great help. I need my father. My own choices will land me in a pig pen and I want to get out. So I'm asking for help. I'm asking the question of God, God, will you have me? Will you receive me? Everybody, you need help. You need support. You need others. You need love. You need guidance. You absolutely need God. Accept the help. Accept the hand up. And more importantly, accept that you can't do it yourself. You know, another reason that I think he didn't go back, he didn't go back because of his pride, but I also think potentially there's an element of fear. Fear of what if my father doesn't receive me? What if I'm met with anger from my father? What if I'm rejected by him? He could have been scared of the response that the father could give. What he didn't know though was that all along his father was watching the horizon for him. And to spoil the ending, we're going to read it in a bit, but it says that whilst the son was away off and the father could see him, the father began to run towards the son. He didn't need to have any fear that his father would receive him because his father was awaiting the whole time, arms stretched wide. You know, sometimes the, the people in our life that will respond the best to us when we stuff up, we're often afraid of the most, thinking that we're going to let them down. The same is true for God. God is the one who is going to be gracious and merciful towards us when we do the wrong thing, when we've made the mistake, when we're in the pig pen. God is the one who will receive us the best, despite what we may think to the contrary. Just to give a, a little comparison, I've got a funny story about a fruit bag. Um, if you were in Global Kids seven years ago, this was a banger back then. I used to tell this all the time. Absolute Global Kids banger. Any, anyone back there? I still feel like whenever I do, who was there? It's always just me. Anyway, Izzy Frame. Shout out to Izzy Frame. Come on. No pun intended, but Izzy could be the fruit of this story. This is about the good fruit. Anyway. So here's what happened. This is a true story. When I was in school, um, my mum was an absolute legend and she would pack lunch for me and my two older brothers. So there's three of us and three hungry lads. She had to pack three lunches, three recesses every day for us to go to school. And uh, my mum was pretty passionate about healthy food and giving us enough fruit. And uh, she would sometimes put what I believed to be an excessive amount of fruit in our lunchbox. Can I get an Amen. So what I used to do was if I thought it was too much fruit, I wouldn't eat it. I would just put it back into my bag. And my school bag had a front and zip pocket. And so that was my excessive fruit storage section. And so every day I'd, I'd maybe eat a mandarin, but I would put the, uh, the seven plums and four bananas in it. No, it wasn't that much. But I would put whatever fruit was left over into that front pocket, zip it back up and carry on with my day. But this continued on for a long period of time. And as many people who've been to school would know, fruit begins to kind of stew and ferment 
And so after a good period of time, I had quite the collection of rotting fruit in the front of my bag. And so this fruit began to spread the love and leak to the other sections of my bag. And so my school file, my pencil case, all the things that were in my bag were now covered in this rotting fruit. That the smell was potent. There was fruit flies beginning to to really just have revival in that bag. And um, I I had a moment of freaking out because I put the bag down in my room and saw that it had left a fruity impression upon the carpet. And I thought, I've got to do something about this. But I was... I grew up with a healthy fear of the Lord and I also grew up with a healthy fear of my mum, a healthy one, because I was like, I don't want mum to find out about this. This is not good. And so as a young kid, I took it upon myself to try and fix this problem that I had created um, without really having the resources or the know-how to take care of it myself. So I took the bag outside. I dumped all the rotten fruit into my dad's pot plant area and um, (laughs) probably helped them dumped the fruit and then I tried to hose the bag off but then I thought what do I do now so I hung the bag on the washing line and it was dripping and it was all fruity and gross and then as you do when you're trying to cover up something I'm trying to get rid of the evidence and so I'm like what do I do with my files covered in fruit and it was just a mess and anyway my mum found found out about it right so she comes out and sees what's going on, sees me trying to fix it. And my mum just asks, what's going on, darling? So I explain the situation. Oh, plums, bananas, rock melon, <laughs> kiwi, everything. I showed her the bag. The bag was toast. Um, the hose didn't work at all. But my mum was so good. She helped me clean up the mess, take care of it all, get the bag nice and clean. And, and it looked good as new. And she just put peace in my heart, made me feel comforted, and then took me on a journey of loving fruit. and uh, <laughs> But helping me. No, but what's interesting about that story is if anyone was the right person to help me get out of that mess, it was absolutely my mum. But I didn't want to tell her. I didn't want to bring her into the situation I had created myself because I thought she might be mad at me. I thought she might be disappointed. I thought I might get in trouble. Yet she was the perfect person to invite into that situation because of her love and her grace and her ability to help me. It's such a good comparison to how God works with us. If there is anybody that you can invite into your situation to bring love, grace, and and has the ability to give you the help that you need, it's absolutely God. I wanna encourage you, don't be afraid of God rejecting you. He will not reject you. God is that loving Father ready to receive you. He's actually, you know, like the, the man in the story, looking out for you, waiting for the day that you would run towards Him. Don't be afraid of bringing your mess to God. God is the best person to bring mess to. We can't outsin the grace of God. And it doesn't matter how messy our lives have, got, have gotten, God has the ability to come into that mess and bring healing and wholeness and fix it. No matter how much fruit's in there. Don't have a fear in approaching God. Don't be afraid to come to Him for fear of rejection. He is awaiting your arrival with open arms. How long have you been in the same problem for? And how long have you convinced yourself that you can fix it yourself? I want to encourage you, don't leave this place tonight and continue in a DIY life. Just trying to give it a crack a little bit longer, a little bit longer. A little bit longer becomes 30 years. 
A little bit longer becomes 40 years. A little bit longer can be five years and it can be five destructive years. I wanna encourage you, don't spend another day trying to do it your way. Tonight, make a decision to go, God, I'm gonna try your way. Some of this might resonate with you. Maybe doing it your way has hurt you, has hurt your family, has hurt the people around you that you love. Maybe it's hurt your body physically. Maybe it's hurt your future aspirations that you've had, have had to go to the wayside because of what you've been trying to do your way. I wanna encourage you, don't do it anymore. Give God's way a go. James 5.16 says this, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. The Bible talks about healing coming by the laying on of hands. We need each other. When we talk about doing things God's way, one of, the, one of the implications of that is that you don't do things alone, that you don't go it alone. Don't do life going alone. Don't face that struggle alone. And that is why God in His wisdom established the church. It's a place where we can do life and approach challenges in community. There's been so many times in my life where I've been comforted, encouraged and strengthened by the prayers of others, where I've brought my mess to people in church. I've said, hey, this is going on in my life and I'm ashamed of it, I'm embarrassed of it. And I'm I'm embracing for impact, but I've received love and encouragement and support. The DIY way is usually that I don't need the instructions. I don't need the help. Just let me do it. But if you do that long enough, it'll leave you in a a pig pen. Don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. You need others. Um, There's a great quote that me and Bianca say to each other all the time, and we don't know where we heard it, but it's a a banger. And it's this, if you have nothing to prove, you have nothing to lose. And Bianca usually says that to me before I come up to preach anywhere. She'll say, if you've got nothing to prove, you have nothing to lose. And we just say that to each other all the time because I want that to be in my heart. I want it to be in Bianca's heart. Mike has started saying it to me. It sounds like, wah, wah, but I know what he's trying to say. I'm like, that's right, that's right. But we want to have in our heart just a security in God that I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I want to bless people, but I don't have to prove anything to you because I I know that I'm loved and affirmed by God. And there's no opportunity that like I have to use to try and prove that I'm gifted, to prove who I am, to prove that I'm worth something. God has given me that in my heart. And so if I have that sense, there's nothing for me to lose. And so I want to encourage you tonight, stop trying to prove something. And what that means with the DIY thing is that sometimes we're trying to prove that we can do it ourselves. It is exhausting and it doesn't work. If you've been trying to prove to your friends and family, maybe to your church community, I can do this myself, it's going to leave you exhausted. And what it also does is like that quote says, it's going to leave you with a lot to lose. But be somebody who lives life going, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. And so I've got nothing to lose. I'm here to give stuff a bash for Jesus, see what happens and to God be the glory. (laughs) Romans chapter seven, that's gonna come up on the screen too. It says this, uh, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I want, sorry, now if I do, this is confusing. Now, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. 
So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Amen. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Essentially what it's saying is, maybe this resonates with you. You might be somebody like me that says, man, the things that I ought to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I do them. Does that make sense? That was the J-I-V. This is speaking of sin and speaking of the nature of each human being and and the, the wrestle that we have with the desires in our flesh. Those things that we know that aren't good that we shouldn't do, they're often the things that we find the easiest to do. And that the things that we really should do are often a challenging thing to do. Sin is, is a condition of, of the human heart and it's something that we cannot uh, tackle ourselves. Sin, you can't do a DIY job on sin. We need the grace of God, the help of God and the help of the church community. All right. I think one of the reasons that the prodigal son didn't go back was pride and one was fear. But let's finish the story in verse 17 of that passage. It says this, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against uh, heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Listen to these words, everybody. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This story, everybody, is an illustration of how God receives us when we run back home to Him. When I read the story of the prodigal son, even though I've not necessarily gone into the city and squandered my father's wealth, I promise I haven't done that. Even though I've not done that, I see myself in the story of the prodigal son and I hope you do as well because all of us have tried to do it our own way and often feel that our own ways left us broken and hurting in some way. If you're not at that place yet, I hate to tell you, but it's coming. It's coming. Whether it's life circumstance or something happening eventually, or maybe it's just that your soul is away from God. You're going to be left broken in some way by trying it on your own. But I see myself in the story because I I too have tried life my own way and, and failed. I've tried to be good enough and failed. I've tried to find meaning in things other than God and I've failed. But despite my mistakes and shortcomings and all the DIY projects I had to show, God the Father received me with open arms. And that's my story in a nutshell. And I would say for each believer in here, it's your story too, it's all of us. The person who wanders off and sins, makes mistakes, 
dishonours their father, whatever it is, and then making a decision in their heart to maybe, just maybe God would receive me. And He absolutely does. That's my story and it can be your story. And you can start that tonight. And I'll just close by reading a passage of Scripture and uh, we might just stand as I do that. Just wanna close with this thought and then I'd love to pray with some people. Romans 5 says this from verse one. I'll just read it quickly. It says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Fast forward to verse nine, it says, since we've now been justified by His blood, how much, short, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What's that speaking of is, is us being reunited with God, the coming back together of creation and the Creator. And I love the words in these verses. So the verses I just read in all of them, it, it, it says these phrases. It says, through Jesus, we have gained access. It says His love poured into us, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It says, given to us while we were powerless. It says that we've been justified by Christ's death. It says that we've been saved through Him, through His death, through His life. Where in any of those statements do I have to do anything? Absolutely nowhere. That was all about God pouring, about God's life, about God's gift. I don't have to do anything. Christianity is the acceptance that what I could not do for myself, Jesus Christ did for me. I don't have to do a DIY job. It's a God did a job. G-D-I-J. You can't do it yourself, everybody, but you must do something. And that something is this, is what the prodigal son did. Just start to head home. Just look to God and just receive. All we do is the receiving. God has made the sacrifice. God has made the first move. God has paid the price. Jesus lived the life we couldn't. He died and rose again so that we could have salvation and a relationship with God. All we do, everybody, is we just receive. We open up our heart and say, God, I wanna come back to You. I wanna be in a relationship with You. That word reconciliation in there is the Creator and His creation coming back together. I wanna encourage everybody in here tonight, don't leave this place. Going back to a DIY life. Make a decision tonight that God, what I cannot do, I surrender to You and I ask You to do it in my life. I ask You, God, to transform me from the inside out to give me eternal life, to give me salvation and forgiveness, to give me a brand new start. We're gonna worship for a moment, everybody, and then I'd love to pray for you. So why don't we just sing? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.